0: Well, we looked at half of the passage I read this evening last time I preached on a Sunday evening, it's uh, well four weeks or so ago, but just to recap quickly on the ground that we covered last time, uh, there are two types of uh, church fellowship that take place, two types of conversation that might well uh, ensue after this evening's service, maybe here in the pews or in the lobby or outside, well probably raining so you probably wouldn't be outside talking or in the the after meeting and I hope the the second one I'll mention would predominate but there will be faithless conversations that don't focus on Christ but focus on circumstances and the gloom and the difficulties. But there'll be others faced with the same difficulties and circumstances who will have the grace to look up and to see that God really is sovereign. You know, we, can, we can sing it. Do we believe it? And as well as sovereign, He is good. <laughs> we sang it there. What keeps us in these times of trouble? God is good. God is good. Do we believe that? It's inspiring if we do, that He's sovereign and He's good. How wonderful it lifts your heart. It transforms a situation in all the changing scenes of life, in trouble and in joy. The praises of my heart shall still, my heart and tongue employ. So, these two types of conversation, the manifestation of a good, godly heart will be one of them is this good, godly conversation. So, the Lord Himself says in Luke chapter 6 and verse 45 A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man. Out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in comes out, especially when it's knocked. If you've got a vessel, it gets knocked. The contents get spilled out. And for us, when we get uh, the knocks, what comes out? We... But the last men's breakfast we were talking about and thinking on and had a really helpful time uh, around our food and then uh, around discussion on the the use of the tongue, the discipline of the tongue. And there was one account that uh, the author of the book we're following gives of uh, a a work day in a local church when repairs were being done. And uh, the pastor noticed there was one young man following him wherever he went and he was Hammering nails in the hole, in in the walls and looked around. There's the young man again. Uh, why are you following me? Oh, he said, I just wanted to see what came out of your mouth when you hit your thumb with a hammer. The knocks of life. What is our conversation like? There are a group here in Malachi's time who were critical. They were harsh. Their conversation was unedifying, and it dragged the listeners. Uh, down but then there were those who feared the Lord and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom to get a clear view of who he is governs then everything that I do to know that he is sovereign and that he is good it's going to have a powerful effect on how I conduct my life and my response to the knocks of life and uh, to fear him, fear him, ye saints, and you will then have nothing else to fear. So as an individual, as individual believers, let's make it our aim to stay humble. It's a good thing to be humble. I mean, again, that oxymoron, proud Christian, it should never be. And it's sort of when we come across such people, it's, it's, it's wrong and it grates If I see it rising in myself, I need to take myself in hand and give myself a good talking to. The reality is I really am the dust of the earth, a worm that deserves nothing at all, and the grace of God is really overwhelming. And also to have my eye on the prospects ahead. The future is bright. Bright. And we'll be here for a very short time, Here for a season, then above. I mean, we've been singing great hymns. The authors of them, uh, well, they're in glory now. They're singing uh, far more melodic tunes. And I don't know what massed ranks of angels they're singing alongside and what instruments are being used. I'm not sure there'll be a pipe organ there. I don't want to be controversial, but there will be. And they're named in the Bible. Lots of different instruments and the melodic singing and the harmonies that are coming uh, in all the wonder of it all to keep our eyes fixed and the Hebrew writer encourages those he's writing to and he includes you and me then fix your eyes on Jesus the author and the finisher of your faith so there are a group who fear the Lord and they meditated on his name remember that, that missing Christian discipline of meditation my meditation of him shall be sweet I will be glad in the Lord. Meditation isn't rushed. It's making space, even in the business of time and uh, our days and children and changing nappies and washing. And We can still think on Him. Uh, in the midst of mayhem, we can still think on Him and make a little quiet space in the business of it all and take a verse to our minds and wring it dry. Behold, what manner of love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the children of God. Time spent with Him. Reality, reality. Life transforming, soul strengthening reality. May the Lord keep us from dead mere religion, which is surface, external, and gloomy. A religion, mere religion, is a gloomy thing, devoid of the reality in the heart. The reality in the heart is a relationship with a God who is sovereign and good and has us on His hearts. Uh, this passage talks about Him making up His jewels and that it's you and me. I find it quite astonishing. Can we get our minds around that. That of all God has made, and uh, I've been I'm meaning to get my telescope out, I've been charging up the battery pack. The seasons are good, the nights are, are dark, and uh, to see the fantastic displays. I've got an eight-inch, um, what's it called, refracting telescope, and it gathers lots of light, and you can see things way into the distance, and uh, the views are spectacular. And then God says, "Well, you're greater than that in my heart. Yeah, that we alone." are made in the image of God and made to actually know Him. What a a wonder it is to keep the reality which is deep and inward and I would say utterly joyful even in the difficulties of life. There's a joy that nothing can take away. And so you'd have Paul and Silas, you know, 39 lashes and locked in the inner dungeon and the smell and the stench and the rats and the darkness. And oh, woe is me, will be the tune of many, but not Paul and Silas. Now, how, how can we understand that? Clearly, there's a reality there shining through and piercing through the difficulties. They're singing hymns. And people take note. You know, how you and I respond. If we don't get opportunity to speak directly, they're watching They're watching. How do we respond to the troubles and difficulties of our circumstances and our lives? The reality is utterly life-transforming. And these folks who feared the Lord and had meditated on His name, uh, they sought each other out. In the doom and the gloom and the difficulties, in a time of decline, they sought and they found fellowship together and they spoke of the Lord together um, so this wasn't uh, a preaching service it wasn't teaching it wasn't prayer it was conversations because they spoke to one another and uh, I think again that's a lacking thing in the life of many churches I think it's a wonderful means of grace there are uh, there are four mentioned in Acts and uh, here is a church we're really good on uh, the apostles teaching we make great provision for prayer. Uh, we're disciplined in the breaking of bread. But the fourth one, fellowship. Don't run away at the end of a service. Talk, talk, share. Might be difficult. What, what, did, you, what did you learn uh, from that? Uh, what did God speak to you uh, about? And to encourage each other in these, in these things, it's a vital means. Of grace. I think I mentioned last time, Tozer often mentions, mentions this in his books, his writings, uh, people who are of the fellowship of the burning hearts. Men were not as good at this as ladies. We have to work harder. So to have something like the men's uh, breakfast is, is a good thing. There is a men's reading group. I think it uh, maybe peaks at four or five uh, attending. Uh, But uh, let's think on that as well. And after a service, talking to each other. Men, we need each other. Daniel, in the difficulties, found his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and uh, shared the problem with them, and they prayed, and God revealed the answer to Daniel uh, that particular night. David, in his distress and troubles, uh, found strength in his good friend, uh, Jonathan, What about us? Not only men now, but a whole congregation. Uh, We are encouraged to encourage one another. There are two well-known little sections in, uh, in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3, first of all, and verse 15. Hebrews 3 and verse 15. No, it's not. 13. Hebrews 3 and verse 13. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Exhort one another. One another? Exhort. Encourage. Uh, the Greek word parakolo. Para plead with each other. Um, exhort one another. It's a wonderful, rich word. And notice, daily. Daily. Not just on a Sunday. On a Wednesday, if you happen to be there, but something that needs to be done daily. And then in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Well, this area, talking about the Lord together. Let me just give a little personal reflection. I can, I can do this as um, one who's come back to the church fairly recently. Well, because it's maybe 21 months ago. Uh, now time goes so quickly. Swift to its close, ebbs out life's little day. But I've been around in 47 years as a believer, various Types of churches and all have been gospel churches. And uh, my time in St. Melons and in, in London and then Heath and then back uh, to Heath. This is my third spell actually in Heath. I was here as a student, I went away to London, two churches in London, then back and working with the Heath and after St. Melons, then uh, back here again. I remember when we were leaving to go to, to London, Mr. and Mrs. Higham. Uh, saying to us, oh, we're so sorry that you're leaving. But it was Moran who said, we'll pray you back. We'll pray you back. So there we go, answered, answered prayer. And it's happened twice uh, now. Lots of good churches that I've been to and all have their strengths and their weaknesses. Let me tell you something about the strength of, of Heath. By and large, you have something that not many churches have not making light of difficulties that all churches go through. There is something very special here. And I noticed it again as soon as I came back, just being in the tea room and the coffee shop and meeting with members, you'll talk about the Lord Jesus Christ quite readily. (laughs) Don't take that for granted. Don't take that for granted. Um, It's something very, very wonderful. And the gospel focus of the church, all right, our methodology might not be quite what uh, you you might expect, but it's there. A burning passion to make Christ known and so we produce leaflets and have meetings and meetings for children, young people and all sorts of things that we will try. And the prayer meeting ought to be the powerhouse of it all, but I think there's something very wonderful about that sense of talking about the Lord together. So here we are. We're in that area and these last three verses of Malachi chapter 4. And I think there's only really one sermon to do on chapter, Malachi chapter 3, but there's only one service to do on Malachi chapter 4. So we'll soon have finished uh, this uh, wonderful final book of the Old Testament. But the rewards that came to those people who spoke about the Lord together. Number one, it's quite clear that the Lord was listening. And those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. This is fellowship. And the Lord listened and He heard them and He listened with, with pleasure. It's, it, it warmed His heart, the conversation of those who feared Him and who meditated on His Word. He, he listened and he heard. It's clear that he heard the other conversations as well because he calls it out here in Malachi, in uh, Jeremiah, I've got the reference here, chapter 8 and verse 6, uh, he talks about ungodly conversations that he's overhearing. So it's not that he doesn't hear the ungodly, but when he hears the godly speaking together, it warms his heart. He has a pleasure. He, he points it out. So he, he hears... And he hears with pleasure. mean, the promises are multiple in the Word of God. Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, I, I'm there. I'm there. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. I wonder in Malachi's time, these folks who are referenced here towards the end of chapter 3, Uh, the godly who meditated on his name, Uh, did they know that the Lord... Were they aware that God was taking pleasure in their conversation? Well, actually, we're we're not told. But whether it was known or unknown, he he is there. And here's this great truth about the being of God. So, many truths here. He's sovereign. He really is king. And he doesn't usurp his uh, authority, To anybody else He has under shepherds, but we're under His authority. All under His authority. Even and certainly when it comes to salvation, there are those who will sing, Jesus is King and I will extol Him. But when it comes to my life, I'm in charge. It's just not so. It's not so. He is sovereign and He is good. But here we learn from this little section here, He's omnipresent. There's nowhere that we can go out of his presence and he's omniscient he knows everything he knows me in totality even before a day came about they're all written in his book we'll think about books the books of God uh, in a moment God willing but uh, it's all there in the volume of the book that's been written God knowing the end from the beginning, the beginning from from the end. He knows my thoughts, He knows your thoughts, He knows everything about us. And here and now, He is with us. I mentioned this morning those wonderfully encouraging cameo pictures in uh, Revelation chapters 2 and 3. And chapter 1, that dominant picture... There's the seven golden lampstands that represent the seven churches, which represent gospel churches down throughout the rolling ages. It's a picture. It's a symbol. And amongst the seven golden lampstands is one walking who is like the Son of Man. It's the Lord Jesus Christ and the picture and the truth being portrayed is that Christ is with us. What a wonderful thought. And we worship amongst angels and they look into these things longing to you know they're studying you and me angels they can't quite take it in we can't take it in they certainly can't take it in because the ranks of angels who fell there's no way back for them but why has God had pity on fallen mankind I don't know and the angels try and work it out but he is here with us together this evening we worship in his presence that lovely truth of the two on the Emmaus road walking together, gloomy, sad. They don't even recognize the Lord. Well, we're told they're kept from recognizing him until the end when he broke bread Then their eyes were opened and then, oh, did not our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road? So, He is a wonderful reward for those who feared the Lord and meditated and spoke together and sought out fellowship and had fellowship. Here's the wonderful truth. God was listening and God was pleased. So much so that he is the second thing. Uh, He kept an account in response to what they were saying. So verse 16 again, then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. There's the fellowship around about him, his person, his work. Even in the difficult situation, they're still looking to him. And the Lord listened and heard them. So, it's a therefore, in response to them speaking together about him and his ways, so a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. Every conversation. is that a wonderful thing? written down. Some of you are lovely scribes and you're, you're taking notes. Some younger folks and one or two older folks as well taking notes. How wonderful that when we talk together, God is recording those conversations that are warming the hearts of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, The God of glory is recording. Now, thinking about that, So what do we know about God's books? Well, we've got 66 here bound together. 66 books and there are songs that the children learn in Sunday school to remember the order of the books of the Bible. I wonder if we put a member on the spot here and I said, we'll pause at this point. I'm going to ask a brother or sister so-and-so to come up and tell us the 66 books of the Bible and I'll start you off with Genesis. There you go. i have given you a start. Off you go, easy start. And I'll tell you where it finishes, Revelation. Could you could you fill them in? Could you fill them in? But the children often can because they have these little songs that they sing. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and on and on it goes. And I can I can sing it through, so that that helps that helps me. But uh, here are the books that God has given. They have been written and published. And we can read the words that God has had recorded. We don't have to wonder or ponder because God, by His Spirit, took Moses and He took Isaiah and Jeremiah, He took Malachi. And he said, write these things. Or the, the Spirit came upon them and used their personality and background so they wrote exactly what God wanted there without being dictation uh, machines. And he gave dreams and visions. And history uh, is written down. And we don't have to ponder and wonder what those books are like because they're here. Isn't it a wonderful book? We should be excited about this book. We don't have to wonder about God's will. Here it is. All he wants us to know, this book is sufficient for coming to faith and living a godly life in this world. Doesn't tell us everything? Deuteronomy 29, 29 is a wonderful uh, go-to verse. Look it up and meditate on Deuteronomy 29, 29. But it's quite clear there are other books. I'm not being heretical here. Not saying there's new revelation to be uh, given and written down that we might learn as a as a church. Far from that, but clearly here we're told in Malachi that books are still being written that haven't been shown to us yet. Um, books of the records of uh, conversations, and they are yet to be revealed and seen, but they are being written. And one is here, a book of remembrance was written before him. I don't think it's a mere picture. I really believe that things are being written down. Now, my mum and uh, my auntie Kath were great keepers of scrapbooks. And um, when they passed on, these books have been passed on to me and my sister. I've got the bulk of them. And we have these scrapbooks up on the gallery in our home. There's a whole uh, bookcase devoted to these scrapbooks, the records of the family and life in Barn in Lancashire and Yorkshire, uh, down through the years, going back to the 1930s and going right up to the 2010s. And it's a record. And if I have an idle moment, I can sit down and I take one of these scrapbooks and begin to look through events of the 1970s, the 1980s, the house prices, what they were. God has got books, and there are records that are being written, and may much be written and recorded from this fellowship to the glory of God. Psalm 56 has got some wonderful little phrases in it. Verses 8... And 9, Psalm 56, verse 8. You, number my wanderings. You put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is Wonderful, you know, you can't cry, there's not a groan. He'll collect it in a bottle. He records it in his book. Uh, All your wanderings, you've been up and down, good things and difficult things, they're recorded. He, He knows, and then when it's detailed, even the hairs on your head are numbered. He knows a thought before it's in my mind, a word before it's on my lips. He knows the next word I'm going to say. What's the next word I'm going to say? Well, he knew it was going to be, well, he knew it was going to be. His knowledge. There's no boundary. It's all about me and you. And it's because... God is for me. Isn't that a wonderful thing? As Paul takes that up. Well, if God is for me, bring on all comers really, who can be against me. And what a demonstration of his love. He who did not spare his own son, but freely. It's a wonderful word, freely. Not grudgingly. Freely. Delivered him up for us all how will He not also along with Him give us all things? So having done such a great, great thing for you and I, if we are the Lord's, our names are written in the book of life, then all these difficulties we face, do we doubt Him? That we're going to face them alone? Whatever we're going through. Whatever it might be. Friends and relatives and neighbours. or to have God for you. Bring on all comers. Bring on injustice. We don't wish it on ourselves. If we go through that way, God with us. And God is good. God is good. The book of life mentioned in Revelation 3 and verse 5, 21 and verse 27. And the book of records, Revelation 20, verse 12. Time is whizzing on. I don't want to keep us... uh, Nothing is... Nothing is lost, there are no idle words. What you said in dark corners will be broadcast from the rooftops. Hebrews 4, nothing is all. Creation is hidden from before the eyes of the one to whom we must give an account. Future rewards are here. Verse 17, which is glory. They, those who feared the Lord, seeing who He is seeing who they are, our needs met in Christ. A right fear of Him. Fear Him, ye saints. You will then have nothing else to fear. Those who meditate on His name, they, He says, shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day... That I will make them my jewels and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. There's a family tie here, there are blood ties here. We belong to the family of God. He's our heavenly Father. And there's a day coming, a day coming. Well, what a day it's going to be. They shall be mine. What does that mean? Aren't we his already? Well, yes, we are, and once saved, always saved. And he who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion. But we're not complete yet. I think that's what is being said here. They shall be mine, and oh, what a display it's going to be! And they will be my precious jewels. Say, "Gula," the Hebrew word. I'm no Hebrew expert, but I can read commentaries, and it means they will be my particular treasure we have thought about this already the ranks of angels and the glory of it all but they're not made in the image of God and the universe and the spectacular nature of it all but there's no image of God there they declare his glory but you and I redeemed humanity made in the image of God and all on that day all that will be glory for me The grumblers, you see, they forgot all this. And they were stooping down and looking at circumstances. I'm reminded of Pilgrim's, Bunyan's, Pilgrim's Progress. And uh, one picture that uh, Pilgrim was shown, they go into a room and there's a man with his head down and he has a muck rake and he's raking the muck. And above him is an angel with a crown, but he never sees it. He's looking down. And the toil and the muck and the mess. Why doesn't he look up? Oh, he never looks up. He's looking down. And all oh, the grumbles that, that come. But if he'd only looked up, all oh, that will be glory for me. What is yet to come? Now, Paul's taken away with all this. What, what is ahead of us? Paul was all consumed with this. It's what kept him going. We're drawing to a close. Uh, now 2 Corinthians chapter four and verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. This, now, to have Paul saying this brings real weight to it, our light to momentary affliction. We understand what Paul had been through and what he was going through and what he would go through, and he calls it light. And of course, it is right, it's momentary I mean, all of our many years, 60, 70, 80, 90, even to get that telegram, it's a little tiny, specky nothingness in the light of eternity. Uh, But it's it's light, says Paul, all those beatings and the shipwrecks and the hunger and the nakedness and the opposition, and as well as all the weight of the church, is light, he calls it, and momentary when it's compared to the eternal weight of Glory, I'm, I'm looking there. Uh, the, the Greek words are piled up on each other, far more exceeding the super eminence of the weight of it all. And therefore, we don't lose heart, says Paul, but we're looking to that. We have our eyes fixed on this. Uh, the Greek word skopio means to take aim at glory. We're coming to a close then. Let's focus on that and finish on that. Here's what we need to do. Scopio. uh, Take aim at glory. Think on glory. Contemplate glory. Uh, Looking up the lexicon on Scopio, it says uh, to have your attention and your gaze fixed and uh, came to my mind, that's what a sniper does. he'll spend a long time. And he's quietly looking, he'll hardly blink. And he's steady in his gaze, focused. He's not going to get distracted. He might only get one opportunity. And he's going to take it. And you and I, oh, bring all heaven before our eyes. Were we distracted here and there? Miss the opportunity. Oh, keep our gaze fixed there. Light, momentary afflictions, but only compared with the eternal weight of glory. Otherwise, we're well, like the man with the rake and things are a mess of life. But all to, to look up and to focus in that right area. Then That distinction, finish with verse 18. I've lost it, I've turned away from Malachi. Then there will be a clear distinction. Then, for those who are, what's the point of serving God? It's pointless serving God. It seems the wicked get away with things. There's no distinction. Why do we bother looking to be godly? Then you will again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve God. There will be. An eternal distinction. Is it worth serving God? We have to say yes. Yes in every way. Not only then, but also now. Would you change things? I would not change my blessed estate for all the world calls good or great. I've forgotten the rest of that wonderful, wonderful uh, hymn. But would you swap? With a billionaire who doesn't have Christ, would you swap? What would you swap? If if you have the real thing, you really wouldn't. Judas, it only took 30 pieces of silver. what What a paltry sum to sell out the Son of God for. I wouldn't change my blessed estate for all the world calls good or great. Let's pray, shall we? Father, thank you again for a brief time in your word. We pray that our conversations might be pleasing to you, not only after this service, but continually throughout the coming week as we go about our work and school and college and business. May we seek out fellowship and enjoy fellowship. May we make it our aim to be those who encourage one another and not bring one another down, but always thinking the best, not taking offense, not giving offense, but building one another up in our wonderful, wonderful faith. May our conversations increasingly be those which are recorded uh, in heaven. To God be the glory, we do pray. Amen. Well, let's sing a final hymn, When All My Labours and Trials Are or All that will be glory for me. We'll stand and sing together. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen.